0: Okay, let's take our seats. The parents uh, are going to be wending their way back over the next few minutes. But I just wanted to uh, share something uh, with you. Um, Jill, Jill Clemens, why don't you come out here, Jill? So, um, so Jill was awarded uh, the Care Home Worker Award at the Great British Care Awards. Uh, at the regional and national level uh, over this last year. And uh, so, Jill, uh, amazing, amazing, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. And uh, so, that is incredible. I want you to get that National Award Care Home That's fantastic. So she's been asked to share her story at various events and uh, all sorts of things in Hampshire, across Hampshire that's been happening. And so uh, 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 on the 6th of December, she is due to speak at the Care Managers Conference that's happening here in the church, speaking to managers of care homes across Hampshire, and she's been asked to speak to them. Now, what I want you to get is this, okay? Jill... Uh, is one of us here, and God has gifted given her this the job that she 's had God has called her to work uh, in the area she 's working in, and she has do, been doing a fantastic job, and God has given her this opportunity to influence. And I just think that's amazing, that she's going to be speaking here to uh, managers of care homes because God has used her in this area. And she is salt and light in the place she works. And so I want us to pray together for her. Wouldn't that be great? As she speaks here. You haven't done it before. So she's really nervous, but we're going to pray for her. Now, come on, let's stand together, pray for Jill. Father, we're so grateful, Lord God, that you opened doors for us that when you open doors, no one can shut them. Father, we want to thank you for Jill, Lord God. She would never have dreamed that something like this would happen, and then suddenly you open a door. She's been faithful to you in the workplace. She's cared for people as you would care for them. She's been Jesus to the people in the care homes that she works in. We want to thank you For her, we want to thank you that you've done such a work in her life, that you radiate out and have made a difference, and that other people can see it. And she is light to people around. And we want to pray that she stands on this platform in uh, a few days' time, uh, uh, in a week's time. Father, we want to pray that you would give her. Clarity as she speaks, and we want to pray again that she would be light to the people that she speaks to. We want to pray, Father, that her testimony would go far and wide and would make a difference in the care home industry. Father, we know that this is uh, an area uh, in our society where so many are uncared for. Father, we want to thank you that people like Jill uh, make a difference In the workplace. Why not thank you, Father, that wherever we are, we can make a difference for you in the workplace. We can be you in our workplace. And so, Father, we pray, be on Jill. Father, bless her. Bless her. May she be a blessing to many in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, rest upon her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give her a really big hand. Let's take our seats. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that amazing that in uh, uh, the workplace we can make a difference? Now, uh, others have seen something in Jill, but actually you can make a difference in your workplace, whatever you're doing, because wherever you go, you take Christ with you. If you're a follower of Jesus, Christ dwells in you, and you can be Jesus to the people in your workplace. That's amazing. So we're uh, picking up in our series, Hear My Voice. We're coming towards the end of it. We've got a couple of weeks left. And this morning, we're focusing on God speaks of his promise. And we're going to be looking at three verses, one verse in particular from the beginning of Malachi chapter 4. And so uh, the verses are going to come up behind me. And uh, this is what they say. Surely the day is coming it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, but for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall Then you will trample down the wicked, they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty. Now you might think that sounds like a strange passage, but we're going to unpack that together this morning, and I believe that God is going to speak to each one of us. Have you ever had a moment when you felt that something was unfair or that justice wasn't being seen to be done. Have you ever had a moment like that? Yeah? I remember uh, uh, when my, uh, my dad was killed in a car accident many years ago now, and there was an inquest. And uh, the inquest was opened and closed uh, on the same day. Um, because it was tied in with a court case and we waited a year for the court case and the driver of the other car was being prosecuted, uh, being uh, prosecuted for uh, death by dangerous driving and we got to the court, uh, court case, we have been waiting for a year, waiting to see what was going to happen, there was, it was very difficult to have closure and uh, for us as a family and I, uh, my mum went to the court case and I remember my mum saying afterwards that it was, it was really, really, diff- really difficult moment because just before the court case was about to start, the police who she'd been dealing with, the police officers came up to her and they said, we are so sorry to tell you. That, uh, uh, that uh, the Crown Prosecution Service have done a deal, and uh, they have. Uh, there's been some plea bargaining, and they've dropped the charge of death by dangerous driving because they're not sure they're going to get a conviction, but they can get a conviction uh, by death by careless driving. And so uh, they, uh, it's out of our hands. We're really sorry. We didn't want this to happen. And uh, so the uh, uh, the charge was dropped. Uh, another charge. Uh, was was put and the defendant pleaded guilty got a I think it was about a hundred pound a 50 pound fine or whatever it was and banned for a period of time and at the end of it it was really difficult because uh, there was that sort of sense uh, we didn't want anyone to go to jail but there was this sense of has justice been done has justice being done You know, we live in a world where we see things all around us in the media, uh, in the newspapers, on the TV. We're seeing things all the time, things happening, and we are wanting justice to be done. And we're seeing some things happen, and we're thinking, that's not fair, that's just not right. We We do want justice, don't we? We always want justice unless it's us who's in court. those moments, we want mercy. (laughs) We don't want justice. We want mercy in those moments. But uh, for other people, we want justice. Throughout the Bible, God promises there's a day coming when all accounts will be settled. Malachi simply refers to it as the day. In that moment... Each one of us will stand before the God who created us, and we're going to have to give an account of what we've done with the life that he gave us. This is what Malachi concludes with. This is his promise. The rainbow speaks of God's promises, but Malachi speaks of a promise. There is a day coming where all wrongs will be righted. There's a day when God's going to put everything right. hear my voice. God wants us to hear his voice this morning. You see, God wants us to live our lives in the light of the fact that there will be a day where we have to give an account for the way we've lived. And we can handle that in all sorts of ways. A bit like when I was in school and I was having uh, physics tests and I was having disastrous results, but when I got the uh, uh, papers back, I would rip them up and throw them away so my dad wouldn't find them. And so I thought I'd be okay, but I knew there was a day coming. The, the day was coming when the end uh, of year report uh, would come out and my dad would find out I'd I, I lived in sort of this place of I stuck my head in the ground I, it'll be okay somehow I thought it'll be okay you I'll, I'll get away with it maybe I'll get away with it and the day would come and my dad would say this is terrible how did you I, I, I haven't seen I've been through all your books and been through all your, I haven't seen that you've done so badly i would thrown it all away I thought I could pull the wool over his eyes, but there was a day. The day came when he found out and he caught me out. Boy, that was a day. That was a day. Not a day I like to remember greatly. What about us? You know, God will not be ignored. He's holy. The Bible says that he's a consuming fire. This is what Malachi is alluding to at the beginning in the first verse that we read together. It was probably in the mind of David as he wrote uh, his Psalm 24. and He wrote, who can stand in God's holy presence? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. We can only stand before a holy God if we ourselves are holy. He's a consuming fire. And whether we like it or not, and whether we believe in him or not, there is a day coming where we all have to stand before God and give an account of how we've lived. This is the last promise in the Old Testament. And actually, if you read the New Testament, the end of Revelation, there's another promise, and it's the same promise. It says this, look, I'm coming soon. Jesus says, my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. There is a day, there is a day where we will stand before God and yet God's word to us this morning is a promise but it's not of one of just of warning, it's a promise of great hope and encouragement, his desire that it brings joy and hope and not fear and despair. And so God doesn't want you leaving this place this morning in fear and despair. He wants you to leave this place this morning with joy and hope in your heart. You see, it's a challenge. God's challenge is for us to get ready for that day now. We can get ready for that day now. Gambling that it will be all right on the night, that sort of mentality isn't going to stand you in good stead. There is an opportunity to get our lives right in this life. And God wants us to do that. And we do that through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to pick out three things from that second verse that we looked at. And the first one is this. We're to revere God. We're to honor God. This is what it says. But for you who revere my name. You see... Malachi is saying, there's something that you can do. The, the thing is, it's getting right with God. Revere God. I used to work uh, in South Wales. I used to work in Port Talbot. If you've ever been to Port Talbot, um, you will have driven past it quickly, probably in smog. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting place. I love working there. But Port Talbot, uh, uh, I learned everything I didn't need to know about being a planning officer. So uh, I learned lots of bad habits. I learned how to not do things well. Um, They were great fun to work with, but it wasn't uh, a great example. And then then later I moved and I moved down here and I worked in Romsey and I worked for a planning consultant. He was probably the best planning consultant, uh, best planner I probably ever came across. And when I started to work for him, I had to learn pretty quickly. Because I was going out, there was him and I was his associate. And I used to go out and I had to represent him. I was representing his name and his professionalism. And so every uh, morning uh, I would come into work and he would be, uh, there was a little area we used to used to sit outside and he would have a, he'd have a cigar and he would want to know what I'd been doing the day before. He'd want to know what advice I was giving to people. And there were moments when he would say, you said what? Did you? Really? Why did you say that? And I, it, it was, I had to, I learned that I was representing him and and so it changed everything. I learned to I was I was out to honor his reputation. I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to disappoint him. That's what it means to honor someone's name. And so when God is calling us to honor his name, it's about a reverence, a deep respect for who God is. For who he is and what he says. God wants us to be those who revere Let me show you what it means. This is what it says in 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that's what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. What John is saying is this, he said, we are sons of God, we are children of God, we are part of God's family, we are sons Because we are in the Son. The Bible is is really clear. It says we are sons of God. What it's saying is it's not a sexist statement. It's saying this. Jesus Christ is the Son. God is the Father. Jesus is is the Son. God is always the Father. Jesus always is the Son. The Bible says that in Christ there is now no longer male, female, black, white, white, It doesn't matter your background. We are all one in Christ. We are in the Son, so we are sons of God because Jesus Christ is the Son. And so we are sons of God, and so we are to live as sons. We are to represent him. And, And John is saying that God has lavished his love on us, and so we need to live lives that represent the Father. We are to live holy lives. We are to revere God. We are to honor God Because of who he is and what he's done in our lives by the way we live and the way we relate to other people. That's what it means. It changes our behavior. You see, what Malachi is saying is this He's saying there's a day coming, there's a day coming where everything is going to be put right, but now we can live in the light of that. We don't see it fully yet. We don't see it fully yet. It says this in 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror then on the day we shall see face to face now i know in part then i shall know fully what he's saying is we can know some of that now and we can outwork some of that now there'll be a day where we stand before god and everything is put right our lives will be will be totally we we will ne- we'll totally transformed But we are being changed, being transformed now from one degree of glory to another. And so Malachi is encouraging us to honor God now. God is speaking to us. Be those who honor my name. You see, Malachi was written to an argumentative, a truculent people. People who are always arguing the toss with God. But there were some in Malachi's day, it says. and, And Rob was talking about this the other week. He said... Uh, those who feared, revered the Lord and honored his name. And it says that a scroll of remembrance was kept. You see, God remembers those who honor him. God remembers. He keeps a record. God keeps a record. Jesus encourages his disciples to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. God keeps a record of those who belong to him. Does he have a record of your name? Does he have a record of your name? Is your name written in heaven? Someone who's given their life to him, put their trust in Jesus Christ. If we're going to honour God's name, we need to know who he is. Earlier in the Old Testament, God reveals his, himself, and he reveals himself to Moses. And he says to Moses that he is the compassionate and gracious God. He's the compassionate and gracious God. So how do we honor this God who is, reveals himself as compassionate and gracious? This is what Deuteronomy says. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way That pleases him. Love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. That's how we're to honor God. Honoring God involves walking in his ways, it's a tall order. I want to say that's what Jill's been doing in the workplace. She's been honoring God in the workplace. She's been representing him in the workplace. She's been his hands and feet in the workplace. Each one of you are God's hands and feet in the place where you work, in the school that you go to, in university, at the school gate. You are his hands and feet and he wants you to honour him in the way that you relate to others and treat others. You may not get the recognition that Jill's got in this world. But God records it in heaven. God records it in heaven. And there's a day coming where the books will be read. And accounts will be settled. And on that day, you will want your name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We honour God with our tongues... But it's easy to honour God with our tongues and Isaiah says our hearts can be far from God. We can say the right thing but not do it. It's not more than just what we say, it's what we do. We honour God with our bodies and the way we live. We honour God with our wealth. We honour God with our time. We honour God with our families. We honour God with everything that he's given us. Because he created us. Revere God. The second thing Malachi encourages us to do is to receive righteousness. It says this, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. When you read that phrase, it's, a, it's an unusual phrase. And there are two possible meanings. And it really depends where you put the emphasis. You can put the emphasis on righteousness. So the sun of righteousness And when you focus on on righteousness, the imagery uh, implies that there's a day, on that day when God brings everything to a close. Righteousness will rise like the dawn. Now, I I want you to imagine, if you go to the, I had the privilege with Annie last year going to the Grand Canyon. Early in the morning, you get up and you stand on the side of the Grand Canyon. It's pitch black. You see nothing. You sense these great voids and chasms in front of you, shrouded in darkness, and then slowly the sun starts to rise and burst above the horizon, bursts over the other side of the canyon, starts to rise, and as it starts to rise, it starts to bring light over what's been covered in darkness. And it exposes these great chasms and it exposes the Grand Canyon right down to the river. It's that incredible moment. It's a sort of imagery. There's a, a day coming where everything will be brought into the light, where righteousness will rise. And all the things that have been hidden in our lives will be brought to light. They won't be hidden anymore. They'll be seen. We won't be able to hide anything from God. It'll all be seen. There'll be a day coming when that righteousness will, will rise. The second interpretation is, is by putting the emphasis on the word son, the son of righteousness. You see, righteousness or right standing with God, it's what Jesus accomplished when he died on the cross for us, died in our place. So what it says in Corinthians 2, uh, two Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, God made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness is wrapped up in a person, Jesus Christ. And so, when we think about the Son, uh, uh, the Son of righteousness, S-U-N, it's 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 almost like some comments say, say it's like it's metaphorically talking about a person. It's conveying a person who will bring righteousness. And in Psalm 84, we read that God is a sun and a shield. And and on other occasions in in Isaiah, we read that the Lord rises upon us and his glory appears over us. There's this sense that that God is a, a sun and a shield. And it's speaking of Malachi is speaking of a, a deliverer, of one who will come, a person who will come and will bring righteousness. And this righteousness will burst in upon us. That person is Jesus Christ. And as we come towards This Christmas time, we come to celebrate the moment where Jesus Christ, God's Son, became man. Our dark world shrouded in darkness. Jesus Christ came and the sun started to rise on the other side. And started to expose our darkness. All the things that we'd hidden. and And there was hope where there was no hope. Jesus Christ came and burst into our world, the light of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he's broken into our dark world. The sad thing is too many of us, as John says, prefer our darkness to the light. We live in darkness. God dwells in unapproachable light. John says that in his gospel, he says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You see, our darkness needs to be exposed it needs to be dealt with and there is no hope we can't do it on our own and so Jesus has come into this world and Paul talks about the light of Christ shining into our hearts setting us free from our darkness taking our darkness away that's what he did on the cross Jesus died on the cross he hung for three hours in darkness And in that moment, he was bearing our wrongdoing, our sin. The Bible calls our sin everything that has kept us from God, all our selfishness, living independently of the God who created us. And Jesus took the punishment, the wrong, uh, uh, the punishment for our wrong living, our living without reference to him, living independently of the God who made us and formed us. How arrogant we are. And yet, Jesus took our punishment. On the cross, in darkness. He took our darkness that His light might shine into our hearts. Maybe this morning it feels like that. Maybe it's felt like you're in darkness and you're shrouded in darkness and you've, things you've wanted to remain hidden. And this morning, the sun, S-O-N, the sun of righteousness is starting to rise over your life. Your darkness can be dealt with. You can stand before a holy God and know that he loves you through Jesus Christ. You see, as believers in Christ, we need to know. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know who you are in Christ. Christ. Too often, we've, we've known who we are up here, but we've lived in shadows. You don't need to live in shadows anymore. We need to live in the light as he is in the light. Walk in the light as he's in the light. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 1. We need to be holy because he's holy. And we can only do that when we grasp the truth of who he is and what he's done for us. And when we do that, the truth sets us free. You see, there is a day coming when everything will be put right. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's what we're told in Revelation. What a day that will be. What a glorious day that will be when everything is put right. Yet Jesus himself prays for God's kingdom to come on earth now as it is in heaven. That's what he calls us to pray, that God's kingdom will come now. There's a day coming when it will all happen, but now, God, may your kingdom break in on our world, in our society, in our workplace, in our community, in our street. Righteousness rises with healing in its wings. This is what it says in Isaiah 58 then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. You see, when Jesus walked this earth, he changed lives. He set people free. He healed the sick. He did the most amazing things as you read the Gospels. You read the light breaking into darkness and people being set free. It's what he came to do. The incredible thing is, he calls his followers, his disciples. He says that we, Paul says that we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God was speaking through us. And so, wherever we go, we are to bring healing into broken relationships. We're the ones that are to bring forgiveness, we're the ones to bring reconciliation. We're the ones, as Christ followers, to make a difference where things are going wrong. We're the ones to stand up for what's right. We're the ones to stand up in our communities and be examples of Jesus Christ, to be his hands and feet in our community, in your workplace. That's what you're called to be on a Monday morning when everything has gone seemingly going wrong you're the one you're to be the one that stands up for what's right and true despite how you feel you're the one who's to be filled with joy in your heart even though everything's going wrong because joy because you are looking not at your circumstances but you're looking at who he is when you know who you are that you are a child of God When you know that your identity is in him, you start to look not at your circumstances, but you lift your eyes to look at him. When Angela was with us last uh, weekend, she she talked about, I think it's quite profound, she said, when you're praying for people, encourage them to lift their head. All too often we live our lives like this, oh poor old me, everything is going wrong, and, and our focus is on our circumstances. We are, oh, oh. It's, if you knew how difficult it was for me, you, you, oh, it's really tough. And God knows. God knows what our circumstances are like. God knows how hard it is for you. But he calls you not to focus on your circumstances. He calls you to lift your eyes and look to him. Your focus needs to be on him. We lift our eyes, look to the hills where our help comes from, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And as we lift our eyes and we look to him and we see him, the great king, the one who sits on the throne, the one who rules and reigns over the heavens and the earth, the one who rules over time and space, the one who has our life in his hands, the one who calls us his sons and daughters, the one who loves us completely and totally, The one who has given his own son for us. The one who has poured his spirit into our lives and filled us with his presence. The one who has given us his word to show us how to live. When we focus on him, suddenly the things that are here that have been so dominant in our lives suddenly seem small in comparison. And we lift our eyes and, and so we can go and be Christ in the workplace. We can go and be Christ in the community. Whatever's going on in our day, whatever's going on in our week, whatever's going on in our lives, we can go and be Christ to people because God loves us and we are the children of God. Receive righteousness. Finally, there should be a release of joy. This is what it says, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stool. I don't know if you've ever seen calves released from the stool. If you ever see it, they've been enclosed, they've been hemmed in, and they go out and they just start leaping all over the place. It's crazy. They go crazy. Go crazy. Last night, if you were at the King's Chamber Orchestra, you would have seen Gerard go crazy. He, there was a moment he was leaping around at the front. I was watching him, and uh, he, was, he was jumping and jumping around, jigging about. And I was watching his daughter. I was actually sit, uh, standing back there, and I was watching his daughter. who was playing the violin behind her. I was watching her eyes, and I saw in her eyes what I sometimes see in my son's eyes, which is, oh, Dad, really? <laughs> but he was leaping, and he was full of the joy of that God had done something in his life. He was free. He was—he wasn't inhibited. There was some, There was a joy in him that was just—it was so great to see. Have you been living your life in bondage, held in by fear, anxiety, hemmed in by all sorts of stuff, restricted you? Just going through life, but you feel like a calf in a stool. Can't move. It's, it's just tough. Jesus, the son of righteousness, rises with healing in his wings to bring release. Release from bondage, from the fear of death, we're told in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. Releases us from the fear of death. You've been held by the fear of death. Maybe the years are rolling by and you're the escalator you're, you're The escalators, escalator of life is rising and there's no one in front of you anymore and fear of death starts to grip you. Maybe you're held in bondage to fear. Paul tells Timothy that we're not to have a spirit of fear. Doesn't want, God doesn't want us to be fearful. Are you dominated by fear? Maybe you're dominated by guilt. You feel guilty all the time. Do you feel guilty? Well, the Bible says that if you're in Christ, your sins have been taken away as far as the east is from the west. Maybe you feel full of shame. The Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're being held by those things, you're like a calf that's in a stall. Jesus Christ wants to release you wants you to be released. You shouldn't be held like that. You see, he wants to release you for joy, whatever the circumstances. Do you remember the story of uh, Peter and John there uh, going to the temple and they meet a guy at the Gate Beautiful and this guy is begging and uh, he looks at at them thinking he's going to get some money. And Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. This guy gets to his feet. He leaps to his feet. It says he goes leaping and jumping and praising God. There's a joy that fills his soul because he's been released. He's been set free. Too many of us spend most of our days we like we've been baptized in vinegar honestly we are so miserable and yet we have been filled with the life of God we've been set free from our past our sins have been taken away they've been washed away as far as the east is from the west how wonderful that is we should be the happiest people on earth our lives should be filled with joy shouldn't they shouldn't they church We have every reason to be joyful. Whatever's going on in this world, whatever's going on, we should be filled with joy. You see, when we read about Paul's letter to the Philippians, it's full of joy. He's in prison, but this letter is full of joy. How can he write a a letter like that? Well, his joy is based on what he knows and what he believes it's not based on his circumstances. The source of our joy is what we believe and what we know to be true. Paul is confident in the sovereignty of God. He's confident that a day is coming where every wrong is going to be put right and he's going to enter God's presence forever and ever. He's certain of it. That's the source of his joy. Real joy The sort the Bible promises comes from thinking correctly. It's a joy that Jesus possessed. Despite being called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Jesus was able to say, I have told you this though that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus' early followers used to write things like this, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. They could do that because their focus was on what was true. Are we dominated by our circumstances or are we dominated by the truth? Some of you will remember some years ago, I talked about we have a choice to make when we get up in the morning. When we walk down the road, we can either walk on the sunny side of the street or we can walk in shadows. And sometimes we get up and we're walking in shadows and it's all, everything's a bit heavy and we need to choose to walk across the other side of the street and walk on the sunny side of the street. We walk in the promises of God, we walk in the truth of who he says we are, we walk in the truth of what he promises about us, we walk in the truth of what the Bible says. We don't walk in the shadows of how we feel and our circumstances, we have to walk on the sunny side of the street. Warren Wearsby says this, Those who have trusted Christ have the privilege of experiencing fullness of joy. Let me say that again. Those who have trusted Christ have the privilege of experiencing fullness of joy. Those who have trusted Christ have the privilege of experiencing fullness of joy. Yet few Christians take advantage of this privilege. They live under a cloud of disappointment and they could be walking in the sunshine of joy. We need to lift our heads and choose joy. There is a day coming. I can't lie. There is a day coming. And actually, you need to make a decision today ahead of that day. You need to make a decision today. Today Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. So if you are here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, let me say this is the day you can do that. Take a step towards him. Put your trust in him. Give your life to him. But for some of us, we've been like those, we've been living in shadows for We've lived in shadows for too long. We've been walking on the wrong side of the street. We need to let the sun of righteousness rise over us. We need to know who we are. Some of you maybe need to do freedom in Christ. Some of you may need to do freedom in Christ and find out, what does God say about me? You need to live your life in the light of what God says about you, not what the will tells you. The will tells you you're a failure and you're never going to make it. God says that you are his child and he is with you and he's for you. That changes everything. You need to let the sun of righteousness rise just like it does over the Grand Canyon. and Suddenly, your darkness is exposed, but he sets you free, brings you liberty. Some of you have been held in bondage like calves in a stall. To fear and anxiety and shame and all sorts of stuff when the son of righteousness rises over you brings healing in his wings and he sets you free the bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free you will know the truth about jesus christ and the truth will set you free who the son sets free the son sets free the son of righteousness son of righteousness sets free will be free indeed you want to live constrained in these days or do you want to live with the fullness of joy walking on the sunny side of the street you can do that you can take that choice it's a choice it's not a feeling feelings need to follow your faith come on let's get the worship band out let's stand together Let's just take this moment. We're going to respond to God. I think it's really important that we do that. It's very easy to let moments like this pass by and think, oh, that was interesting. We need to respond to God. And as we sing this song, this Lydia leads us in a song, I want you to be responding to God. I want you to be saying in your heart, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, this is what you need to say in your heart. You need to say... Jesus Christ, Son of God, I believe you died for me. I believe you are the light of the world and you've broken into my darkness and you can dispel the darkness and bring me to God. I put my trust in you. Forgive me, Father. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin, my wrongdoing. I put my trust in your Son, Jesus. Save me. That's all you need to do. And then you need to tell someone you've done it at the end. Maybe this morning you know that you've been hemmed in. Maybe you know you've been believing a lie. Maybe you know that you've been walking on the wrong side of the street. This is a moment where you can say, I choose, I choose, I choose the son of righteousness. I choose to live my life in the light of who God says I am, not what the world says. This is your moment to say that to him. God, I choose the truth. The truth sets me free. Do business with God. Be a team, be ready to pray for you at the end.